right. So on this episode of Investors and Operators, we have a very unique and special guest. Uh, Jay Hewitt is an Ironman athlete who is also battling brain cancer. And I got in touch with him through coach Dana Cavalea, uh, who's a mutual friend of Dan Lee over at Convest. And the second I saw her story, you know, Jay, I, I wanted to reach out for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, because I am registered for November 6th Ironman and I don't own Ooh. a bike. I don't own a bike and I don't <laughs> ever, I don't, I've never done a half Ironman. I've never done a triathlon. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I like your style, man. I love it. Is this, this kind of like, you know, you know, building the plane on the way down kind of. <laughs> the other reason why I wanted to connect is, you know, my, my, my family history with my brother having a brain tumor, my father. And I, I wanted to talk about that just to, you know, honestly, it's almost like I've been afraid to talk about it for my own self. And it's almost like not accepting my own family uh, history. And it's like, all right, I'm feeling healthy now. Just like, I'll talk about it in 20 years. I'll talk about it in 30 years. I'll talk about it in 50 years. But like, can I just go back to like trying to run a business, trying to grow a family? I think that's very tied into, or all of this is very tied in just to how do you be a good dad? How do you be a good husband? Like, I'm still trying to figure this out. And so high level of what I want to go into, and I feel we're going to go in a lot of directions with this, but to kind of settle more of the context, I'd you know, love for you to if you could kind of share your story. And I'm, I apologize ahead of time if I interrupt, just I'm super curious about everything that we're gonna be talking about. Yeah, I feel like uh, this connection already, we have so much to talk about. So I'll start going and you take me wherever you wanna go. Um, but uh, I, I think it'd be, be good to, to start talking about Ironman and then get into brain cancer a little more uh, because I think you'll, you'll get great courage from hearing what I've been able to do. And then we can go into a place that's just, it's kind of scary to go into. And I can totally understand why you've avoided it for so long. And I, so, I gotta be honest, I literally got a little bit sick to my stomach last night as I was researching and preparing for this. I don't know why I just was, it was like, I was legitimately a little bit scared to even talk about this, not because it's public, but because I haven't wanted to, get the full conversation about my life and just address some things that are reality. Yeah, ab absolutely, man. And, and I, I don't think you're alone in that. I think that's pretty, pretty normal, but we'll ease into it. So let's start with, with Ironman. I love the fact that you're just jumping in. You don't have a bike. You've never done a half Ironman. You, you haven't done a track, whatever. I was the exact same way. Um, so when, when I decided I was gonna do Ironman, I, I was an endurance athlete. I didn't have a bike even bigger. I didn't know how to swim. I mean, I can keep my head above water. I live in California, grew up surfing, but as far as swimming competitively, swimming 2.4 miles, that was, uh, that wasn't on the docket at all. And, uh, but sometimes you just got to jump and figure it out along the way. So the way I came across Ironman is I was 10 years old, 1989. I walked into my living room and on CBS wide world of sports, there was this crazy endurance triathlon. I had never heard of it before. It was Ironman. Turned out to be a really famous race that uh, they now refer to as the Iron War. I was absolutely captivated thinking that people could actually go 140.6 miles in under 17 hours of continuous racing. And I thought to myself, these, these people have to be superhuman to do this. But the crazy thing was, I never thought to myself, I wonder if I could do that. 
And the reason being, I grew up in a, in a, in a home that was chaotic. It wasn't stable. So I was just trying to survive. I wasn't thinking about thriving. And so fast forward years later, I'm married, find out my wife is pregnant with our first and only child, our daughter, and Iron Man pops into my brain. And I thought to myself, I want to raise my daughter differently. I want to raise her in an environment where she is supported and she goes after big dreams. What if I allow her to see me cross the finish line? And so on the day my daughter was born, I decided I'm going to do Iron Man. Uh, but I figured I'd do it about the time that I saw it when she was 10 years old, which means I had 10 years to talk myself out of it. And I never told anybody about it. Fast forward three years and I got diagnosed with brain cancer. And I just realized that I had no time to waste. My daughter's only three, but nevertheless, I'm going to go through brain surgery, radiation, chemotherapy. And somehow in that, I'm going to do an Ironman. When was this? Like, what year was this? And when was this all happening? Yeah, this is 2018. Yeah, pretty crazy. So just two years ago, I got diagnosed and I thought, I'm going to do this. Knew nothing about the sport, but I'm going to do it because I realized this. I had an opportunity when my daughter was born and I decided to do Ironman. I had an opportunity to teach by example, honey, have big dreams, go after your dreams, nothing's impossible. But then I realized when I got diagnosed, I had an even bigger opportunity because every parent should teach their child that. But the truth of the matter is when you have big dreams in life, at some point, life is going to knock you down. You're going to have setbacks and it takes resiliency to hold on to hope and to keep pressing on. And I thought my daughter's going to get a chance to watch me do that because I was so worried as a father to allow my daughter to see me sick. There's just something about it. I don't know if, if any of your viewers are you know, fathers and have gone through any kind of illness. There's just something in us that wants to shield our kids from seeing us sick. And I thought there's no way to shield my daughter. However, I can allow her to see me knock down, but I can also allow her to see me get up and to press on and to be an example of resiliency because I have no idea what her struggles will be in life, but I know she'll have some. And I know that as a father, one of my big duties is to teach her how to be resilient and how to be strong and how to hold on to hope and how to keep pressing on. And so I thought Iron Man's the way to do it. Now, if, I didn't even know, you know, when I put it in my heart to do Iron Man, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know if I could do it. And then I decided after being diagnosed with cancer that I was going to attempt it while going through cancer treatment. And I had no idea if my body was going to be able to do it, but I knew I had to give it a shot. Wait, what? <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's really sick. I don't want to breeze over that. <laughs> so you're like, wait a second. I am going to do legitimately one of the most difficult things in the world physically as you are beginning also one of the most physically difficult things yeah with it's, medical treatment um yeah. what okay please continue <laughs> i know it sounds insane. sorry it's I mean, sinking in <laughs> yeah let me let me give you like a, a snapshot into my brain how i even got there so i'm a pastor and now I've, I've stood on, on the stage, I have, you know, preached weekend after weekend, and now it's time for me to practice what I preach. And now my whole congregation 
of thousands gets to see uh, my faith be tested. And I, I uh, took a, an interesting spin on it and I figured, all right, if my faith is going to be tested, I'm going to test God in this as well. Because there's this really interesting scripture where uh, uh, the Apostle Paul is struggling with an illness and through prayer, he asks for it to be taken away. And the answer is no, it will not be taken away. And God answers him and he says, my grace will be sufficient. And in my weakness, you will be made strong. And so I just thought, okay, I'm going to test this. At my weakest state, could I do something that requires so much strength that many people feel like it's impossible? And so I decided if, if my faith is going to be tested, I'm going to test God and, and his promise there. I'm going to see, will he give me the strength in my absolute weakness to be able to race 140.6 miles? And so I decided to start training on my first day of radiation. And so that was in 2018 when you committed to the training of it. And this was like also when you're beginning chemo, you're beginning radiation, the early phases of that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I had to go through brain surgery first and recover from that. I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to move after brain surgery. It was a high risk surgery. There was a, a high risk of paralysis or even death. And so I had to see, am I going to be able to make it out of my surgery and recover? But I did. And as soon as I was recovered enough for them to start treating me with radiation and chemo, I thought, well, if they can start treating me, I can start training. And so yeah. I started running. Well, man, this is interesting on about a thousand levels, but I, in, in no particular order, here are thoughts and questions. Um, one is how we as parents, as spouses, as friends, as colleagues, think about what an education means. You're giving your family, your daughter, your friends, your congregation, like a whole different meaning to the word education of perseverance and resilience. And it's just, so it's, it's interesting to hear that as a parent and, and trying to like, I feel like I'm failing in the parent as a parent in the past year, like the kids should be here, but wait a second. Well, then we also learned how, did group exercise together as a family. So maybe I should feel comfortable that we're teaching them different skills. Um, but the other thing that this is really making me think about is what is it about human nature that people have to be um, confronted with this type of big thing in their life before they try something big? I don't have the answer. <laughs> Open-ended over to you on that one. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure if I do either. But you know I, what I mean, I though? Like, yeah. Why, why do we wait until we have something like that, big news, that's life-threatening, before we try to do something big in our lives? Yeah, yeah. Well, well first on the parenting end, uh, just very simple. I, I've always believed that more is caught than is taught. So we can talk at our kids all day long, but if we're not modeling it for them, it doesn't sink in. And, you know, I see it in my own life. I had patterns that I followed right after my parents. Some of them were healthy patterns. A lot of them were unhealthy in my particular situation. And so I had to root those habits out of my life. But so I just, I knew more is caught than is taught. And so I, I wanted my daughter to catch this uh, resiliency from watching me. And so, you know, I saw that opportunity there. Now, why do we wait for so long? I don't know. Um, two things popped into my mind when, when you brought that up. Uh, number one, 
you, you have the concept of a bucket list, right? There's a famous movie that really put that on the forefront, but you get diagnosed with a, a life-threatening, and in my, in my situation, it's a terminal illness. So I've got a terminal illness, and so your mind naturally goes to, okay, what's my bucket list? What do I have left? And the crazy thing is I have lived my life in such a way that I kind of lived the bucket list lifestyle already. And I don't have a long list of things I need to do. Like I've won a car on a game show. I've done all these things that you could put on a bucket list. So instead of a bucket list, what I did is I made an investment list and I knew I wanted to invest in my daughter. And I saw Iron Man as a, as a perfect way for me to say to her, I would go any distance to show my love for you. Honey, if I can do it, you can do it. And that was so important to me to be able to cross the finish line and say, if I can do it, you can do it. And uh, so it was more of an investment. Um, but an interesting thing that happened after I got diagnosed, and I have no idea why this is so, and I really need to process it a little more, but the fear of failure disappeared. I've always had this kind of nagging fear of failure that has held me back from uh, making bigger leaps in life. And I have no idea why, maybe because I have nothing to lose, but I just, I don't have feel of fear of failure. And so for me, I didn't know if I was gonna finish Ironman, but it was victory just to get to the, to the start line and have enough courage to try. When you realize how fragile life is and that you're not gonna live forever, uh, you just, you don't care anymore and you're not afraid to fail. And so you, you aim for big things. Let's go to, you know, once you decide to, to do this in 2018, can you kind of walk us through the, the training that led up to, you know, your, your first Ironman? Yeah. So I decided 2018, it's not until 2019 that I've recovered from brain surgery. I go in on my first day of radiation. I decide I'm going to, I'm going to start running. I was in Houston where it was really hot and humid. So I had to get a 24 hour gym membership and run on the treadmill. First day uh, of radiation, I rode, ran one mile. Then I kept increasing that. Then halfway through radiation, I had a big seizure and I had to back off a little bit. I was pushing a little too hard. But by the end of the six weeks of radiation, I was up to running 20 miles, which uh, I knew those that train for a marathon uh, 20 is kind of your, your mark you're, you're hitting for that on training. So I was like, okay, sweet, good. I'm done with radiation. I'm still doing chemotherapy. I go back to California and then I figure, well, I better learn how to swim. I swam a hundred meters and I was so tired after a hundred meters. And I thought there's no way, there is no way I'm going to do 3,200 meters. Um, but I had a friend who, uh, was a swimmer in college my friend kept working with me, got, got the technique, pushed me. And within six weeks, same amount of time to get up to 20 miles running within six weeks, I was swimming two miles. Um, and I was like, all right. And so then it was time to figure out how to cycle. And I thought that was going to be the easy part. Um, so typically people going into triathlon, they're most worried about swim. Everybody feels like the marathon's going to be the supper fest at the end, which it is. Uh, but it's kind of like, oh, but the bike, all you do is pedal, right? And that's going to be the fun part. Well, uh, what I didn't realize is I'm not very flexible and chemotherapy causes uh, cramping. And so uh, I borrowed a bike from a friend, started riding and started to, to up the mileage a little bit. And then pretty soon I cramped up and I was out for three months recovering um, because my back spasmed that badly. 
after I get, get through with uh, recovering from the back spasm, I'm talking with my, my friend who works at a bike shop. And he says, man, your story is incredible. Let me reach out. So he reached out to a couple bike companies and Trek uh, heard of, of my story and they, they sent me a triathlon bike. And my buddy said, the difference is we're going to fit you for this. Um, we're going to get all your measurements. You're going to be riding in a position that's appropriate for, for endurance. And this is going to make all the difference. And uh, it did. I also had a friend. He just retired from the NFL. He's, re he's recuperating his body and recovering from the hardships of playing in the NFL. He got really into yoga. And so he started teaching me yoga. And so I started getting more flexible. So I had the right equipment plus the right uh, flexibility training. And so I was able to start building. It wasn't easy, but pretty soon I was starting to, to ride over 100 miles uh, somewhat comfortably. I don't know if it's ever comfortable, comfortable but, uh, <laughs> but I was getting there. But then the big question was, okay, so I can, I can swim two miles, I can run 20, and I can ride 100. I'm, I'm in the, the, the distance how am I ever going to put it all together? And the best thing that I did is I got a coach. Um, so I got a tri coach who she uh, competed at the world championship multiple times at Kona and had also uh, gone through cancer. So she understood cancer treatment. Plus she knew what it took. I think you were mentioning how your first, you wanted to go to, was it something about Australia? Your first Ironman you wanted to do in Australia. Can you kind of walk us through like that to actually when you did the act, your, your <laughs> completed yeah. it? Okay, so if it's not hard enough to try and complete Ironman while going through brain cancer treatment, let's throw the pandemic in there as well, just to make it a little more difficult. And so I was set to race in Australia in March, of uh, 2020, you know, anything about March of 2020, the world changed yes, and yes. that, that race got canceled. And, uh, I was like, what do I do now? I was really excited to do Australia because my wife and my daughter both love koalas and the, the city that the triathlon was in has a really famous koala sanctuary. We have uh, some really good friends in New Zealand. So we were going to go visit them. We're going to make a family vacation out of it. And I was going to make it special for my family, but it got canceled. So, okay. That's all part of resiliency, right? Got to be flexible. Okay. I thought it was going to be this. It's not going to be this, maybe this. So then I deferred and transferred to a race in Northern California. Uh, and, and then there was a few fires in Northern California. I don't know if you guys heard, heard about that, but, and so I was talking with Ironman, uh, just trying to figure out what was going on. They heard my story. And they, uh, they sponsored me as an uh, Ironman Foundation athlete. So they brought me on their team. And that gave me access to uh, a lot of different people in the organization. And they said, hey, Jay, we're going to have our first ever full distance virtual race in October of 2020. What if you, what if you decide to, to do that? And I was like, oh, okay, sign me up. So I had to plot out my own race, starting at the Pacific Ocean in Orange County, going up Pacific Coast Highway, back inland, and I ended my race at my front door. So I literally had a, a big finish line uh, set up right in my front yard, and I came home to my wife and daughter and finished there. Took about 150 volunteers to pull it all off, 
Um, but people really rallied around me and the planning was just, oh, that, that was grueling in and of itself. Uh, but I had such good help and I was able to do it in my, in my home city. When things got really tough during training, you know, whether it's like that two hour ride or a three hour ride, or even, you know, when you were actually doing the race, like what got you through those tough moments? Yeah. So part of it was prayer. I would start off every morning and I'd pray, God, give me the strength. Right. Because I was testing him in that. So I would just ask for strength because sometimes I'd wake up just so nauseous or so tired. And the last thing I wanted to do was to get out of bed before the sun was up and go, you know, run 15 miles and ride 75 miles. Uh, but I would just I would just pray, God, give me strength. And then I would get up. And I, I feel like that's kind of how I have to live my life now. There are so many moments where it just feels impossible. And I just send a quick prayer and then I just get up and I get moving. And next thing you know, it was so interesting. I would, I would start my training sessions feeling miserable from the, um, from the chemotherapy treatment. But then that misery was replaced by a different misery. It's the misery that every endurance athlete knows. Is it like, is it, is it one negative cancels the other? You're like, all right, fine. I'm just going to have to do this. <laughs> exactly. And I would have to look forward and say, this is going to end well. It's terrible right now, but it's worth it if I can just make it through this, this hardship. In the same way, during the race, I would, have to, I would have to visualize the end to make it through the moment. And so there were some moments that got really gnarly that I wasn't sure if my body was going to be able to make it. And I would, I would think about my daughter at the finish line and wanting to make it home to see her. And then I'd say a quick prayer, God, give me the strength. And then I would just keep going. Uh, it's one thing that you learn in endurance racing is uh, you, you need to have your goal in mind, but you have to stay present. So if, if I just thought about the finish line, then I would start to worry. Well, what if I can't make it there? What if 10 more miles, my body shuts down and that that can become uh, paralyzing. So instead, I would just take a second to remember the goal. And, and I had that picture in my mind of my daughter at the finish line. And then I would get back in the presence and I'd just go, okay, I just got to take another step. Just one more step. One of my good friends, he did the, an, a marathon in Antarctica. And I was like, number one, why would you ever do that? There are plenty of warmer places to do that. <laughs> He's like, it's to support the Navy SEAL Foundation. That's why he was doing it to raise money. But he said, and I was like, all right, cool, I get it. Now, how did you do this? He's like, man, just focus on the next pole. Like just the next pole that's 50 yards or 100 yards down there. And it just, I see this recurring theme in these, um, these interviews that I'm doing about endurance feats or great physical challenges. And there's this recurring theme of, to your point, like uh, you, you articulate a lot better of like this balance of visualizing the end, but also being super present in exactly what you are doing in that next brick that you have to lay in this building that you're creating. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I formed a, a mantra as well in, in the middle of it that really helped get me through. So, um, well, there was actually two, one mantra was it's not that bad. 
it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Uh, it came from, I, I was on a backpacking trip with, the, with a bunch of dudes in college. It's raining on us and we would just all rally around it. Not that bad. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so that, you know, that just brought some humor in and kept me going. But the other thing, and what really gave me strength is um, I, I prayed and all of a sudden, boom, this idea came into my head of you've got nothing to prove, just an example to set. And that, what that did, me, did for me is it anchored me in the moment of saying, it doesn't matter if I finish. What matters is that right now I give my all. That's the example that I'm trying to set for my daughter. So I have nothing to prove. Who cares what happens next? But I have an example to set. So right now, set the right example by giving my all and just keep going. Man, that is beautiful. I, um, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because, well, actually, let me go back to college. Like 2.79 GPA, failed business calculus three times, never got into B school. I'm like, hey, I think I'll be, I'll be an entrepreneur. I've heard there's this new minor called entrepreneurship. Sounds a lot better than B school. And then, you know, I just basically failed at college. Um, always felt like I slipped through the cracks and career and life. And like, I always had something to prove. So like the, the, the endurance feats that I tried re recently were almost like to prove almost like maybe to validate an insecurity, but the way that you're saying this is, is so beautiful because it's like, it, it's almost like completely changing it. And it's realizing like you're setting an example of what we can do when we're trying to be our, the best version of ourselves and not try to do this motivated by negativity or to prove to others. But to be motivated by example and being motivated by what the possibility of showing others, like you never, like I couldn't, like a good example, like uh, two years ago in 2019, um, my buddy who was uh, injured on deployment, uh, you know, it was a couple years before that. And he and I went out for a five mile run because he had just run the marathon de Sablo, whatever it's called in the Sahara. It's like a hundred mile race. The week before, he's like, you know, marathon is not that tough. I was like, fine. Like, okay, I'll do it next Saturday. And then in Central Park, and I'll just make up my own marathon in Central Park and I'll figure it out. And, um, and so, but I think that a lot of that was motivated by still that same recurring theme of trying to prove that I am worthy, almost to like myself. Mm. And, but I, but the way that you're phrasing it is really important because I think it's, a very big mindset shift that I need to have. And, you know, going through this next year in particular and growing into an Ironman uh, is the example that can be set and the opportunity to create a lot of good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and holding on to that uh, open mindset, that growth mindset that says not, none of this is wasted. These things aren't failures. These things are strengthening me. Uh, then it, ultimately propels you, you forward and you can do more than you ever imagined you could do. Well, let's shift over a little bit more towards faith. You and I have so many parallels. And one of the biggest parallels that we have is I lost my dad when I was in my mid twenties and it was the, it rocked my faith. It just, it, it ruined me because I, I couldn't understand why it didn't make sense why a good God would allow this to happen. A lot of complexities around that. Like I'm sure there's a lot of complexities about your dad's death. But for me, my mom struggled with mental illness. 
and substance abuse. My dad was kind of the rock that held the family together. And out of nowhere, he has a heart attack and he dies. And I'm like, God, that makes no, that makes no sense. Here my mom is suffering. And if you're going to take somebody from our family, it would be a grace to take her. But instead, you take away her safety net. And sure enough, uh, five years later, after not having that safety net there, things just spiraled down and she took her life. And so here I am surrounded by death and just so angry. Um, and so you said you weren't angry. I was angry. I was angry. I couldn't figure out my personality when it comes to fight or flight. I am a, I'm a fighter. I fight every time. And so when I got angry at God, instead of just fleeing, turning and walking away, I, I rubbed with him. I, uh, I got in my car, I packed a, a tent and I went up to Yosemite and uh, I, I got out and I went on a three day hike. Um, I had no food, just water. And I fasted for three days. I went and I hiked and I camped in place to have permits. I had no permits. Nobody knew where I was. It was ridiculously idiotic. And yet I didn't care. I was just so angry that I was going out to meet God. Now, there have been times in my life uh, that I had fasted and prayed for extended periods. And every time I heard God's voice. So I was expecting to have a spiritual encounter, but three days into it, nothing and I get into my car and I'm driving home and I'm more mad than I've ever been before in my life. But as I was driving home and, and I was just hearing F you, F you, F you over and over again, it just released something in me. And I was able to release all of my anger onto God. And I always knew in the back of, of my foundational faith that God's big enough to handle our anger. So I wasn't afraid to bring my anger to him. And I was just able to let it go. And when I, when I let it go, that's when I finally got a spiritual breakthrough. And this understanding that was outside of myself, because I was trying to figure it out and I couldn't get there on my own. But this new understanding came. It was simply this. I realized that God hated death even more than I did. And I realized that the pain that I was feeling and that my sister was feeling, he was feeling pain to see us go through this. And not only did he hate death, but he actually did something about it. That on the cross through Jesus Christ, he sacrificed himself so that death didn't have to be the final end. And when I realized that God shared that same anger and same hatred. When, when I realized that my anger wasn't actually on God, it was on death. And that I was actually in solidarity with God of having a hatred towards death. And also knowing that my God had solved that problem through Jesus Christ. Instead of pushing me away from God, it brought me into him. And I realized that I have a God that can empathize with my pain, who has actually come, lived life, has suffered, knows what suffering is, and suffers with me. And I came home changed. I came home closer to God than I had ever been in my life. And that 
laid a foundation for me so that when I got diagnosed with cancer and I, I was told that it was terminal, instead of having anger, I didn't have that. Instead, I felt a solidarity. I felt like, okay, I've got a God who's in this with me. And I'm going to be steadfast in my faith. I'm going to trust him to be steadfast in his promises. And so that's why I was able to say, okay, you're going to, you're going to put me through a time of weakness. You're going to allow me to go through this. But that's a better way to say it. I believe he's allowing me to go through this, but he's going to go through it with me. And so I'm going to remain steadfast and I'm going to, I'm going to call on him to be steadfast to his presence in my life. And he has, he's given me the strength every day to wake up and train to keep progressing. Even when there are step, setbacks. What did that do for the, for the congregation and for your family to see that? What was some of the good that has happened and just people seeing your story? Yeah, well, start with the congregation. They got to see a pastor who actually practices what he preaches. And they were all going into a time of great trial. All had different difficulties. But they were able to look at me and say, okay, if Jay can do it, I can do it. I can, I can find opportunity even in these obstacles. For my family, my daughter, uh, I was worried that she wasn't going to get it because she was young. I wanted to do this when she was 10. By the time I crossed the finish line, she was five. She can articulate perfectly why I did it and what it means. And as a result, it's bonded us so close, which I needed because I grew up in a family that, uh, like I said, it wasn't stable. It wasn't healthy. I had to rid myself of a lot of different habits. And I had no model of what it looked like to be a good father. And so I had to learn that. So I've had a hard time bonding with my daughter, but this has really galvanized our relationship. And now I'm really focusing on, okay, I let her see from a distance, me setting an example. Now we're shoulder to shoulder and we're taking on different challenges. Once a week, we have a daddy-daughter date where we take on some different challenge together and uh, we're, we're doing it. And it's, it's really, really bonding us. Now, my wife, um, I feel like I owe her flowers and chocolates and massages and dinners out for the rest of her life because during all of this, she had to take on so much because as you'll find out, as you start training and you really get into it, it takes, it takes a lot of time. And so you'll be gone a lot as you're preparing for it. I was out of the house a lot preparing. At first it was great because I was off work. I was on medical leave. So I would drop my daughter off at school. My wife would go to work and I would train and I'd be done in time to pick my daughter up and my wife would come home. No big deal. But then the pandemic hit everybody's at home and I'm like, peace, I'm out. I'm going to go train for eight hours. Yeah. Um, and so that was very difficult. On Here's her. the three-year-old. Here's the four-year-old. Here's <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good luck. You know, and my daughter's got some energy, man. So trying to. <laughs> yes. <I'm further. laughs> yeah. my, my daughter is just like the, it's just like the Tasmanian devil. It just goes around. You can't really see what's inside of the tornado, but you know, it's like, it's like, is my vision blurred? Like what's going on? Yeah. And it's, it's just, you get it, dude. Yeah. People would, people would see us out and about and my daughter would literally just be running around a pole. 
And um, <laughs> and people would say the same thing. They'd say, she's going to sleep well tonight. And <laughs> I'm like, like nope. If you only knew, she sleeps like two hours a night. She will not <laughs> sleep through the night. She's Are you familiar with a nuclear reaction? It just creates more energy. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, my, my wife was gracious and uh, she allowed me to continue on this quest. Um, but now I feel like I really... I've told her this, the same hard work that I've put into Iron Man, I'm now going to put that into our relationship. And so I'm doing all that I can to strengthen our relationship and find ways to make deep connections with her. Oh, that, that is, that's brilliant because, um, you know, I was listening to this podcast episode and it was about the Airbnb founders. And they said, how can we deliver a 10, 10 star experience to our, you know, our clients, our customers, and it was at a point in our startup journey with the first business when I was putting so much in the business, I was gone and she was taking care of the kids. And my in-laws came from China to help take care of the kids. She's like, where's my 10 star service? And then it was like, but it was exactly the point. And then that like, why am I putting so much to the business, so much to helping veterans transition so much to, you know, um, so much to everything outside of the family. And now it's like, your point is like, how can I do the Ironman level of training? And how can I do an Ironman level of effort mm -hmm. for my wife and kids? Yeah, that's how I need to grow. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that phrase. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that phrase from you an Ironman effort, because that's the thing. Once, once you complete the race and you'll, you'll experience this when you cross the finish line, your confidence level goes up. Because you think, if I can do that, what else can't I do? Um, and because you know, I, I can put in Ironman effort into anything. Um, and so you're right. Now it's just transferring that to my marriage. And I have great hope that that's going to just really allow us to, to connect deeply. Because again, it's not about a bucket list for me. It's about an investment list. And so I invested in my daughter and my relationship. Now I'm investing in my wife and my marriage. And uh, I'm going to put the same Ironman effort into both.